All right, so my name's Kevin Duarte. I'm a community group leader here at Living Word. I just got married seven months ago to the lovely Colleen. This, uh, this coming Wednesday is going to be your seventh uh, seven month, uh, month anniversary, we can call it. But uh, so here's the thing about me and Colleen. We love adventures. Like, the crazier, the better. And I thought that I was the more adventurous one, but on our, on our honeymoon, I, uh, I found out that I was wrong right? Like on our honeymoon, we had the awesome blessing to be able to do tons of adventures. We went um, snorkeling with leopard sharks. We did some sea kayaking in the Pacific Ocean. We fulfilled a bucket list goal of ours. We did a hot air balloon ride. And not just any hot air balloon ride, 12,000 feet up in the air. That's like double as high as you normally go because we had skydivers with us that jumped out. And I thought, that's, this is awesome. Nothing will top this. I mean, this is like the best thing, you know, that, this is the most fun she's ever going to have. And there's nothing that's going to freak me out, right, until we go ziplining the next day. Now, I had heard of ziplining. seems pretty basic to me. You just kind of get strapped in. Boom, down you go. Stop at a station. Down you go, right? Nothing to it. But I found out that I got some serious issues because I trust shark cages. I trust hot air balloons before I can trust a zipline. So if you can just pull up the picture, the first picture. So that's us. So we get in the back of this pickup truck at this Native American reservation in California. They have the longest zipline in the state of California, and they have the fastest zipline in the state of California. On the fastest one, you go 70 miles per hour. That's faster than the speed limit, all right? Like, that's some pretty freaky stuff. But it wasn't the speed that got me. So we get up there, we go in the back of this 4x4, four four, they wheel us up, they go, oh yeah, there's bears, there's bobcats, there's this, there's that. I'm like, awesome, I love animals, I'd love to see a bear. We get to the top of the mountain, we get to the first station, and I'm like, hey babe, why don't we let the other family go first, let's hang back for a second. And it wasn't the height that got me, I hate harnesses. I hate feeling suspended, I don't like it, and I'm freaking out the whole time. Colleen gets strapped in, look at her, she's going like hanging loose, Right? Me, I'm like swallowing, I'm going pale, my stomach is just churning, and um, the whole time I have the GoPro on, right, that's what we got some of these photos, and the whole time I'm like supposed to be recording her. She gave me the GoPro so we can get some action footage of her, and that would have been great, but that's as much of her as you can see, right, because if we can go to the other photo, the whole time, this is all you see, I'm not letting go, I'm freaking out, and that made it worse, because then I started going in circles, and I'm like, I didn't want to go facing forwards, not to go backwards and sideways, and uh, the other photo, that's as much as you can see, and what we're really, like, you know, what defined it for us, that you are the more adventurous one, is uh, that the whole time, through the longest zip line, through the fastest zip line, and through the average zip line, she's just like this, the whole time, going we, and then we get to the bottom, and she wants to do it all over again. And I'm like, once was enough for me. Thank you. So the reason I'm bringing this up tonight, like, I know that steel cable is thick, right? Like, I know what it's made out of. I know that these harnesses are tested, that, that the workers at, the, at this reservation do this every day, 12 hours, every day. They're alive. They're breathing. None of them are injured. But it just reminds me a lot of how this can be me in my relationship with God right? Like, I can, I know that um, like the way that I doubt the hardness and I don't trust the hardness or the steel cable, that's me with God sometimes, right? Especially when I'm going through impossible circumstances, especially if I'm hurting, if I'm going through trials or storms, and I, I, it'll just lead me to question and doubt the promises of God sometimes. Like, I'll just go through something and I don't understand how God can use this for my good, right? Like I go through something that just shakes me up and just jars me, and I go, 
God, I don't know how you're going to deliver me from this because this seems pretty impossible. And I know that I'm not the only one in the room tonight. And I know that, you know, not just from the prayer request, from walking, uh, doing life with some of our college students, just from knowing some of you guys in the congregation, I know that there's some impossible circumstances in this room. I know that in a room this size, there's some illness going on, or we have loved ones going through illness, and we just, as we just prayed for them, we know that there's some addiction in this room. We know that there's some marriages that are a little troubled right now in this room. We know that there's parents who are worried for their children um, in this room. Uh, maybe, maybe it's not so much suffering. You know, maybe it's not so much life kicking you in the teeth as it is life letting you down. Like maybe you're not where you thought you would be at right now right? Like maybe life doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. Maybe you've been single longer than you thought you would be single. I'm not talking about a couple weeks, I'm talking about years. Maybe you've been going through something that you thought you'd be out of by now, and it's been months, years, and you don't see any progress or any change in it. Maybe it's a job situation. It could be anything, but I know that impossible circumstances, seemingly impossible circumstances, trial, suffering, pain, disappointment, can lead us all to question the promises of God. So tonight, I just want to encourage us all. And maybe you're coming in here tonight, and you're like, Kev, life is good, kind of bumming me out up there, bro. I would just encourage you, in this life, we're all going to go through trials. So just file this one away for later and enjoy the mountaintop for now. Um, So any one of us in this room, whether you're walking with God or whether, hey, it's your first night here tonight, and you're just trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. You're just trying to figure out, can I trust God with the weight of my life, right? This message is also for you tonight. But we're going to be in a story tonight in Luke chapter 1. And what the story is going to show us is that just anybody can have this crisis of faith, this crisis of trust, of whether of, of doubting God's promises or doubting whether God will come through. Anyone in this room of us is capable of going through that. And in our story tonight, we're going to meet, uh, there's two stories, and it's going to show two ways that we can respond to the promises of God in our life. So the first characters that we're going to meet are Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were people just like us. They were ordinary people. They but they loved God. They walked with God. We know that Zechariah, we don't know what they did for a living, but we know that Zechariah was a priest and he served God a few weeks out of the year in the temple. And uh, what we know is that when we meet them, the Bible says that they were advanced in years. Now, how old is that? That's like old. I'm not talking like 50s or 60s. Apologies to my in-laws and my parents in the room. I'm talking like old, old. Like the phrase that the Bible uses to refer to them is as good as dead. All right? Like that's, that's pretty old, right? It's the same phrase that uh, is used to describe Abraham and Sarah's age. They were as good as dead. So that's, that's pretty old. And uh, we know that they loved God. They worshiped God. They served God. Uh, but they were never able to have children. They were never able to have a baby. Now, something specific about that time culture, that setting where they lived, was that in that time period, if you couldn't have children, it was people thought that, oh, wow, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they can't have kids. You know what that means? They definitely did something horrible. God must be punishing them for some horrible sin in their life. right? But we know that's not the case because the Bible says that they were godly, they walked with God, and that that was not the reason right? And um, so people, this would have been a sore spot. I mean, can you imagine the pain and the agony of wanting to have children but not being able to? 
And then as if that was, and, and praying, crying out to God over and over. I mean, he was a priest. He would have taken this to God, and this would have been an unanswered prayer that could have led to a crisis of faith. And this is something he would have, they would have had to walk through as a couple for decades until making peace with it. And if that wasn't bad enough, people are slandering you, gossiping about you, you're scorned down upon. This would have been a sore spot. So when we meet them, Zechariah, he's in the temple, he's serving, and um, Gabriel steps in. God says, send Zechariah an angel. So we can turn, we can bring up the scripture now. Uh, we can look at verse 11. Zechariah's in the temple, we know his backstory, and here's what the Bible says. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So Zechariah and Elizabeth advance in years as good as dead, and uh, they're going through life, and then one day Zechariah's in the temple and he's serving. And this angel shows up with great news, right? Like, hey, the baby that you were asking God for for years, for decades, the son you wanted, guess what, Zechariah? You're going to get him. And you're not just getting any baby. You're getting a baby that was prophesied about in the Old Testament, right? Like the baby who would be born, who would grow up and would go and prepare the way for the Messiah, who would prepare the way for Jesus. You're not just getting any baby. You're getting John the Baptist, Zechariah. I'm not just answering your prayer request, I'm answering it beyond your any, anything that you could have conceived in your head, right? Like Gabriel shows up, great news. And Zechariah was a priest, right? Like he would have known who, that there was someone that was going to be born that was going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And the, he, knew, he would have known who Gabriel was because Gabriel was an angel of God who hadn't shown up on the scene since at least the book of Daniel hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before. And Zechariah's response Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years, right? So he did two things wrong. First one, you're not supposed to talk about your wife's age past a certain age. At that age, you're breaking the rule, bro. And the second thing he does wrong, I mean, think about it. He gets an angel, right? Like he's being told, hey, you know what? I'm going to announce your pregnancy before it happens. And, you know, 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds, we don't know exactly how old they were, but you can't have a baby. But guess what? I'm going to make it so you can have a baby, right? And Zechariah's response is, how can I be sure of this, right? And he's immediately bringing up his circumstances. Like, there's no way this could happen, God. How could I know? How could I believe this? I'm old. My wife is older than old. The biological clock ticked. I don't know if you know how science works, God, but this isn't supposed to happen. How could I be sure, right? And here's what I know. So many times, that's me, 
right? That could be us in the room. We know God's promises. We know that he's promised his children to work all things out for the good of those who love him. We know that he's promised to make everything beautiful in his time, that he promises to save and to deliver. He promises to redeem everything. And then we're, we're, we walk through a really difficult storm with impossible circumstances and situations. And I don't know about you, but I start right there. Like, God, how could I, I'll open up the door. God, how could I be sure of this? I don't know if you know what's going on in my life, but this ain't lining up with that. So figure that one out for me. And uh, I know that that's us in this room tonight sometimes. Um, We can question God's love for us. We can question if God's mad at us, if he's punishing us with the circumstances. We can uh, start to doubt and to question if he's really listening to our prayers, if he really cares about our prayers. Um, And the angel says back to Zechariah, then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, the first time I read this text, I was confused. I was like, how can I know this? This doesn't sound so bad. I mean, right? But this, te- this, this passage is just further confirmation that Zechariah did not believe the promises right? And for us in this room tonight, there's two ways we can respond to God's promises. This is one of them. Um, And Gabriel, right? God through Gabriel, he tells them, because you didn't believe, right? Like you want a sign. You said, how could I be sure of this? You want more evidence, Zechariah? I'm going to give you evidence. I'm going to give you miraculous evidence, and I'm going to silence you. I'm going to mute you, right? And this wasn't punishment so much as it's God telling you, you want evidence? I'll give you evidence, but I got to humble you, because I'm God. I'm your creator. I'm your father, Zechariah. So I don't want to let you sit in this doubt and unbelief for much longer. So I need to humble you and remind you of who I am and what I can, I can do. So I'm going to do the impossible and I'm going to miraculously silence you as you watch me work until this promise comes true. And I'm going to make this promise work, work and happen. Your doubt and your unbelief does not make me take back my promise but it's still going to be fulfilled is what God's telling him, right? It wasn't a punishment. It was God's loving grace. It was an opportunity for God to show Zechariah that he's in control and that his doubts and unbelief would not thwart his promises and his purposes. Guys, like this is encouraging. The story of Zechariah, like, yeah, he didn't respond the right way, but it's encouraging for us that this is in the Bible, that God tells us this story because it shows that even godly people, even people who've been walking with Jesus for one, five years, 10 years, however long, who love him and worship him can have moments of doubt, moments of not trusting God. And we see that God doesn't blow him up. He, he's patient and loving towards him. And that's, I don't know about you, but that's good news for me tonight, for when I doubt, for when I question. So Zechariah, so then he silenced. Gabriel leaves. Zechariah, you know, is done serving. He walks out. Everyone's like, whoa, what happened? You know, he eventually goes home and him and Elizabeth conceive. And as time goes on, the baby's born. The promises of God are fulfilled. And Zechariah, when his mouth is loosened, when he can talk again, old man explodes in worship and dancing and poetry, worshiping God and giving God all the glory and all the credit. 
But we're going to look at the next story a little further on in this text. And this is the other way we can respond to God's promises. So if, you, if you're on your Bible, we, uh, we're going to be in Luke uh, 1, 26 through 38. We're going to meet Mary here. Now, uh, Bible scholars, historians, they think that Mary would have been anywhere from like 13 through 15 years old, about, give or take. Uh, we know that Mary, from the Bible, that she was a virgin, right? That she had never been with another man. She had never had sex before. We know that she was engaged to Joseph. And the way that engagement worked back then was that they would be considered legally married for a year, and they would live separately. And at the end of that year, then they, she would go to live with her husband, and the marriage would be consummated. They would start their marriage lives, right? So right now we're meeting, we, we're going to meet Mary. And uh, oh, the other thing about Mary, so she was from this, from Nazareth, right? It wasn't so much like this big city as so much as like as a backwoods ghetto little village, all right? Like Nazareth was hated by the Jewish people, right? Like think, and this is no disrespect to New Jersey natives in the room, but it would have been looked upon like New York makes fun of New Jersey. That's how the rest of Israel made fun of Nazareth, but it was worse than that, right? So we meet this young teenage girl from an insignificant little backwoods hated town, right? And then the angel, then Gabriel comes, and the angel went and said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, right? So Mary's like, ah, uh, you know, she hears greetings, like, ah, uh, you got the right person? Because I don't know that I'm the highly favored one of God. I'm just a young teenage girl in a society who, who looks down on women and treats them like second-class citizens. I'm from Nazareth. I don't, you really want something to do with me? Right? Like, I just picture uh, Mary's reaction. Like, you guys ever watch Undercover Boss? And you know, right in the end when the CEO, the, you know, takes off the mask, the makeup, and reveals himself? That's what I picture Mary's reaction when the employee's just, what? Right? And then <laughs> the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Right? So Mary gets a crazy promise. And her circumstances don't line up with what the promise says, right? She's just a young teenage girl who's engaged, who's never had sex before, who's never been with a man from an insignificant little town. She's not royalty, right? She's not from any fancy lineage as far as we know. And an angel shows up and says, you found favor with God. You're going to give birth to the son of God and he will reign. He will be king forever and ever and ever. And this was a crazy, this was, her circumstances did not line up. Her, the promise she gets from God is just as mind-blowing as the promise she gets from uh, uh, Zechariah gets, if not more so. And Mary responds differently. We, see, Mary was different right off the bat, right? She, she was humble. She was, oh, are you sure? You know, she, she responds with more humility right now. Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, there's a difference, right? Because I got confused when I first read this. I'm like, all right, how, how will I know this versus how can this be? That's a big difference, right? Like Joey, youth pastor, children's pastor, huge Jets fan, right? Great guy, huge Jets fan. Now, if I, if I were to tell Joey, hey, listen, I have it on good authority, okay, that the Jets are going to go undefeated this year and win the Super Bowl. 
And Joey, <laughs> right? That's how can I know this? Give me more evidence. And you're rejecting that, right? But if I were to come to Joey, I don't know. Let's say like uh, Back to the Future, Morty McFly, that book. Hey, you know what? 2018, Jets Super Bowl. And Joey goes, how? I'm not saying no. I'm not rejecting. Just how? How will this be? That's a little different, right? And in this text, Mary's response is completely different. She's not. Um, John Piper says that Zechariah needed more evidence, and he didn't believe. Mary just needed, she just wanted to understand. She was just looking for an explanation, right? Like her response is, how will this be since I am a virgin? That would be like us responding to God's promises. God, I know your word says this, but I'm going through a storm right now and things are only getting worse. Help me understand how you're going to use this for my good. Help me understand how you're going to glorify yourself in this situation. That's a completely different ballgame than going, how could I believe you, God? This is, you know, and just, and just rejecting his promise. It's a completely way, different way of responding. And so Mary doesn't reject the promise, but she just asks for an explanation. Just help understanding. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Gabriel's response is, God's going to do this. How will he do this? He's God. He doesn't fail, right? He's saying, God will make this happen, okay? You're going to conceive miraculously, and it's going to be all God. God's going to get the credit. Don't worry about the details. God will come through, right? And, like, this is crazy because God's different than how we are. It's hard for us to understand this because I don't know about you. I can say I'm going to do a lot of things. I may not do them, right? Like, I can say right now, hey, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow morning before work. I may not. I'm tired, right? But God never tires. Whatever God says he's going to do, he always does, Okay, and um, Mary continues to respond. Verse 38, uh, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Another translation says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary's response is totally different than Zechariah's. Mary's response is, I don't understand how you could do this, but I believe that you can do this. Nothing is impossible for you. I don't get it, but I'm not going to let my words and what I can see define my circumstances and how I walk through this. I'm going to let what you say, your words, define what I'm going through. I'm going to let my perspective in this situation be what, be what guides me, what you say, God, your word, not mine. And this is crazy because Mary's, Mary's obedience and her trust in God is going to empower her and enable her for what's to come. Mary's able to humble herself, and she got great news. I mean, she's going to give birth to Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, but those were good news with an edge. It had some very difficult implications for Mary. Like, think about it. Like, any engaged couples here tonight? Aaron? Andrew? Steph? Duh. Just at your bachelor party. All right. So if Steph went to Andrew, like, hey— I'm pregnant. Like, that's going to, what? Right? Like, it's going to be in any relationship, right? That's crazy. And Mary's going to go, oh, no, but I'm pregnant. But don't worry. It's the Holy Spirit's baby. That's not going to go. That's, that's a big pill to swallow, right? So 
in that time period, right, like Mary knows what she's about to walk through. She knows that this could cause a lot of trouble in her relationship with Joseph, right? And according to the law and that culture in that time period, she could have been stoned. She could have been killed or she could have just been scorned and she could have been uh, considered like the scum of her town. It was going to be really difficult. But even knowing what's coming, Mary's response, her heart is still, let it be to me according to your word. I'm your servant. I don't really get this, but nothing is impossible for you. And the rest is history. And I don't know about you, I really, really want to be like Mary, but sometimes I find myself being more like Zechariah. And how... How often are we, Zechariah? How often do we go through all these situations in our life, all this suffering, all this pain, and we're really quick to question, like, God, are you mad at me? God, is this punishment? Right? We're quick to doubt if God's going to turn things around for us for our good. We're quick to doubt if God's going to save us or deliver us. Right? And uh, our bottom line here tonight is despite our circumstances and our doubts, God will fulfill his promises. Let it be to us according to his word, right? Our doubts, when we, even the times we question God, don't stop him from doing what he said he's going to do for us. And even our impossible circumstances don't thwart God. There's no obstacle too big for God. See, we, we can know that this is true, that God will fulfill his promises because God has fulfilled his ultimate promise to us right? Like, we know that no circumstance is too impossible, and that doubts don't thwart God's word and and his purposes, because we know that God is the God of the impossible. He fulfilled his ultimate promise, right? For thousands of years, right, if you look at the books of the Old Testament, everything's pointing to Jesus. One day, a Messiah will come. One day, a Savior will come and make us right with God, and he's going to live the perfect life that we couldn't, the sinless life that we couldn't, and he's going to die on our behalf. He'll plead guilty for us, and he's going to be crucified, and three days later, he's going to rise. It's pretty impossible, right? And in, your, in the Bible, the Old Testament, those are all different books. And Bible scholars say between the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the first book of the Old Testament, there were about 400 years, 400 years of silence, right? All those promises were made, but for 400 years, it seems impossible. It seems like God's not going to come through, like God's not going to do what he said he was going to be doing for thousands of years, and for 400 years of silence. It's a pretty impossible situation. It's pretty discouraging, right? If you're going through it at that time period. And we know that God is the God of the impossible because God comes down fully God, fully man through Mary, little teenage girl from some backwoods town that was hated on, right? And then we know Jesus grows and 33 years later, he he starts his ministry and he starts preaching and he starts uh, telling people about the kingdom of God. And he starts, uh, he gathering disciples and followers right? And things are looking good. Things are looking good. And, that, and he even tells them that he's going to be crucified, and then he's crucified. That seems pretty impossible because everyone that was following him just watched him die, right? That seems like a pretty impossible situation. And three days later, he rises back from the dead. He, re- he reveals himself again to his disciples, and he ascends into heaven. God is the God of the impossible. And if God could fulfill and answer that promise, there's no promise in, in, our, in the word of God that is too hard for him. And people doubted, right? People like Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, one of his closest friends, 
doubts him and denies him, and he has grace extended to him. Jesus didn't say, oh, you know what? I was going to save you, but then you, you kind of walked away from me, so I'm, I'm going to not. He still extends grace to him. So because God fulfilled his ultimate promise, we can know that despite our circumstances and our doubts, God will fulfill his promises. Let it be to us according to his word. So why talk about this tonight? What does this do for us, right? I'll put it to you this way. So back to ziplining. Colleen, I know you're not supposed to talk about your wife's age, but she's not old yet. So Colleen just turned 30. And uh, for her 30th birthday, I'm like, you know what, babe? Since I'm such a good husband, I'm so thoughtful, I'm so creative, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to celebrate and we're going to do all these things, but we're going to make sure that we create a time capsule for you. We'll have friends, family, loved ones. We'll have people put in memories. We'll have, you know, you'll come up with some stuff to throw in there. I'll throw some stuff in there. Ten years from now, you're going to open it, right? So we're at dinner at her favorite restaurant, and she's telling me about some of the things that she put in the time capsule. And one of those things is a, a bucket list for the next ten years. And one of the things on that list is ziplining, <laughs> but in a different terrain, because our goal that we share is, God willing, we would love to go to all seven continents before we die. So Colleen wants to go ziplining in the jungle. I, I love the idea of the jungle. I just hate everything in the jungle. <laughs> my biggest fear, worse than ziplining, like my biggest number one fear, the one thing I will not do or mess around with are snakes. I hate snakes. I hate them, and they, they petrify me, they terrify me. So all I think when, we, when she says, oh, we'll go ziplining in the jungle, I'm like, but there's snakes there. There's mosquitoes there. There's all sorts of creeping things that I want to deal with there, right? But I want to I do it. I want to do it for Colleen, right? But if, before we go, if we go, um, if I took the time to just sit down and just research, all right, you know what? Let me, I don't, I'm not a jungle expert. Let me, just, let me just research the ziplining company. Let me research the jungle, right? If I take the time to just dig up the facts, I would find out that, hey, hundreds of feet up in the air, ain't no snakes up there. I'll be safe, right? I'd find out that, hey, you know what? You're worried about the mosquitoes and bugs and diseases. Get, get, I'll get myself to the doctor, get some malaria shots, take some medication preemptively, and I'll be all right. I would know that all these companies that do all these ziplining tours in the jungle they're tourist traps. They want your money. They want you to keep coming back, and you're going to be all right. You'll be safe, right? And if, if I took the time to research the facts and dig up the facts, the truth, before we go ziplining, I'll have a totally different experience, right? I'm sure I'll still freak out. I'm not going to let go, but I'll know I'm going to be okay, right? Maybe you'll let go a little more, and I'll go more like this, like Colleen, right? I would go through the ziplining experience knowing that, hey, I'm going to get through the other side, snake-free. I'll be safe, and I'll make it back home safely, Right? And it's the same thing for us tonight in the room. What does this do for us tonight? If we, if you take the time to go back to God's word and to dig up his promises and to let his promises dictate what's true in your life, what you're going through. If you, if you dig up those promises and you let that be your lens tonight, maybe your circumstances won't change right away, but you could change. You could go through whatever, through anything, with the confidence that God's going to do what he said he will do. You're going to go through that storm and come out closer to God than you've ever been. You'll watch God work, and he'll blow your mind. And maybe you'll go through all these storms. If you cling on to God's promises, you'll go, with an umbl- go through it with a peace that makes no sense, that's beyond understanding. Maybe there will even be some joy 
in the storms. But only if you go, if you hang on to God's promises. You'll find joy, you'll find peace, and you will be changed as you go through it. But only if you take the time and you, re, and you apply God's promises to your life. If you have Mary's attitude of, God, I don't really get this. This really hurts. This is confusing. I don't understand how this will come true. But I trust you. You're the God of the impossible. Let it be to me according to your word. Not my word, but your word. And you have the potential to go through it and you'll be completely changed. Life would look a lot differently if we did this day by day. The things that we uh, have anxiety about, the things that rob us of our sleep, the things that bring us down would be demolished in the light of God's promises. So I don't know about you guys, but I know that I can forget God's promises like I told you before, right? Like it's possible for me to go through something and just be in so much pain internally and be so jarred up and so confused and pressed in at different angles that it's like I forget God's promises or I just develop this, this bad attitude, a little jadedness towards God. So we need each other in this. We need to be reminding each other of God's promises. But what I want to do for you guys tonight is I want to end service a little differently. The band's going to come up. Aaron's going to play something, something spiritual on the keys. Lights will be dim. And I just want to remind you guys of God's promises tonight. All right? I want, we're going to dim the lights. Pat's going to make it dark in here. And I just want you to just think real quick. What are the circumstances in your life right now that seem impossible? What are the circumstances in your life right now that are hurting you and troubling you? What's robbing you of sleep tonight? What's giving you a lot of anxiety tonight? What's been causing you maybe to doubt God and his promises? All right? So I want you to bring that to Martin and Aaron's going to play. And I just want to remind you of God's promises. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to remind you of his promises. And we're going to have the references up on the screens in case you want to write it down and uh, take it home to look it up later. If you want to write them down and save them for those dark nights. And I just want you to remind you of God's promises and for us to just come together and remember his, his promises so we can let it be to us according to his word here tonight. He created you and stitched you together. You are not an accident. Every detail about you was not a mistake. He weaved you and stitched you specifically, you, together Every detail about inside and out was his doing. He loves you. He loves you at your worst. Even while you hated him or didn't want to trust him or believe in him or loved him, he loved you and he loves you. Even if you don't love him right now and you don't trust him right now and you don't want anything to do with him right now, he loves you. He, loved you. he loves you at your best. He loves you at your worst. And he took the blame for you. He took the weight of your mistakes and the weight of your pain and sorrows and pled guilty for you. He owned every bit of your pain and sorrows and wrongs and sins because he loves you. He's crazy about you regardless of how you feel about him. He understands. He knows your every thought. 
He knows your every word and deed, and he understands. He gets it. He empathizes with you. He gets how you're wired. He gets how and why you feel. He's been here on earth before, and he's felt your pain, and he's been tempted like you've been tempted, and he gets it. He understands. He feels it. He feels your sorrow, and he knows what sorrow feels like. If you believe in him, if your trust is in him, if you love him, he's going to work out all things for your good, for his glory and for your good. Your trials aren't meaningless. He is making you steadfast. He is working out a purpose. He's growing you and growing you in perseverance and character and hope. He's comforting you and he's growing you so that you can comfort others and share this with others. As you draw near to him, he is drawing near to you. He has delivered you in the past and he will deliver you again. He will make everything beautiful in his time. And he will wipe away your every tear and right every wrong. He will carry you and save you. He loves you and he's a good father and he only gives good gifts and only allows things to happen if they will be for your good. Your circumstances will not break you. He's going to save you and work things out and redeem all things. Nothing will be wasted. If your heart is broken, he's going to draw even closer to you. If you seek him, if you cry out to him, he will hear you and save you and deliver you. You are not alone. Despite your circumstances and your doubts, he will do what he said he will do. Let it be to you according to his word. So dear God, we just thank you that you are the God of the impossible, God. That our doubts and our questioning you, God, that even then you love us and you forgive us. You extend grace towards us and you continue to fulfill your promises, God. And I just pray for every impossible situation in this room right now, God. I pray for every trial and storm and suffering uh, that people are going through in this room, God. And I would pray that you would just work in all our hearts tonight, Lord. That your spirit would move in our hearts tonight and just help us to trust you more, Lord. That you would just mold us and shape us so that when we hear your promises and we see your promises, Lord, that we would humble ourselves before you and trust you and let your promises define us, God. Not ourselves, not our feelings, not our situations, not what we can see, Lord, but what you say, Lord. Work this in our hearts tonight, Lord, and help us to just grow in gratitude and trust, and then we would just explode in worship as we just marvel at who you are, Lord. We love you, God. If uh, tonight you came in here and you're not really sure about this whole Jesus thing, if you're not sure if God can really hold the weight of who you are, the weight of your life, and if, if you want, there's no pressure, I would just invite you to pray something like this tonight. And I wouldn't just invite you to just pray a prayer, but also come up to me after service. Come up to someone on the band or someone on staff here, and we'd love to have a conversation with you. But if tonight 
that's you. You can pray a little something like this. God, I don't know exactly who you are, Lord, but I want to take a step, Lord, and I want to trust you tonight. I want to start to trust you tonight with my life, Lord. I believe that I I couldn't live this this life, Lord, that I've sinned against you, Lord, and that there's a distance between us right now, Lord, but I trust you, Jesus. I trust that you've come to be my savior, that you lived the life that I couldn't, that you took my sins, uh, Lord, and that you uh, took them to the cross, Lord, that you died for me, and that you came back for me, Lord, and that you're giving me the faith tonight, Lord, and that I can have a relationship with you. So walk with me, Jesus. Continue to open my eyes to you, Jesus. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen.